UGC. Outdated or essential? Cut through the noise and reveal the truth with our free ebook created in collaboration with VideoWise. Learn proven strategies to encourage customer reviews, leverage email marketing for sales, and boost conversion rate by 9.2%. Download the ebook for free at flowing.com/slash UGC. Hey, Francis is a senior deliverability and compliance specialist at Clavio. Francis has worked on the ground floor and helped build Clavio ascending in- infrastructure and deliverability monitoring tools over the past three years. Welcome to Email Einstein, a podcast by Floium. It's time to start honing your inner marketing Einstein. Tune in for the data-driven tips that'll make you a marketing genius. Here you'll find email marketing formulas and tips straight from the brilliant mad scientists at Floium. It's time for your emails to start earning more money. It's time to unleash your Einstein. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Email Einstein. Vera and Elisa here with an extremely special guest. This is a very, very highly anticipated episode, and we're super excited. But before we get started, as you all know or should know, we are two email marketers at an email marketing agency called Floium. Vera and I are both super passionate about email marketing, and because we love what we do, we want to share our insights with you. Floium is one of the fastest growing email marketing agencies in the world. We specialize in providing a premium, full-service, e-commerce, email marketing experience for all of our clients. Our service is tailored specifically for your business and is designed to help increase your online retail revenue by 20 to 50%. That's 5-0, not 1-5, 20 to 50%. We deliver the right message to the right person at the right moment, and that's what we're all about here at Floium. But without further ado, Vera is going to introduce us to our extremely special guest today. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Highly anticipated, I would say. (laughs) So that thing, deliver the right message to the right person at the right moment. That's pretty much what we will be talking about today, because today we will be discussing deliverability. And I'm still having like a really, really hard time to to pronounce this word. (laughs) Like it's super hard for my Ukrainian brain. You did good, though. You did good on that first. I did my best. I did my best. (laughs) So recent stats actually show that return on investment and email can be up to 4,400%. But to get those like insane numbers, to get those kind of returns, you have to be really thoughtful about the way you approach email marketing. And you can only expect such great results if your subscribers are actually receiving and seeing your emails. And unfortunately, that's not always the case. And um, this like disheartening numbers of emails never actually make it to the inbox. But with a few tweaks and strategies, you'll be able to have some solid improvements in your email deliverability rates. And that's actually exactly what we'll be discussing today with our guest, Francis Baker. Hi, Francis. (laughs) Hey, everybody. Just starting with email marketing and Clavio, learn the ins and outs of Clavio in a week or less with our step-by-step course. No stress, no confusion, no nonsense. Go to ClavioMastery.com to learn more. Hey, Francis is a senior deliverability and compliance specialist at Clavio. He's our deliverability wizard. If we have any questions or any issues, he's he's our guy. Francis has worked on the ground floor and helped build Clavio ascending in infrastructure and deliverability monitoring tools over the past three years. And he has helped thousands of different accounts fight their way back 
out of the spam folders and he <laughs> continues to do that. He's our deliverability warrior. <laughs> and uh, we're so grateful to have you today on our podcast, Francis. Yeah, I'm extremely excited to be here. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. And, you know, I love talking about deliverability and compliance. I'm excited to jump into this. I know it's going to be like a party for three email marketing nerds. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. But before we go to some serious questions and we do have like good juicy email marketing questions, Alyssa has a little game for you to get to know you better. Uh, okay, Francis, here we go. So this is our blitz Q and a session of the podcast. I'm going to ask you a few, this or that questions. Just give us the first answer that comes to mind. If you have a follow-up question, we might allow it. We'll see how it goes. Are you ready? Ready. I am as ready okay. as I'm going to be. <laughs> okay. Awesome. First question, text only emails, yay or nay? Uh, I'm going to go with nay. Okay, nice. Yes, I love that. Okay, East Coast or West Coast? Ooh, ooh, that's hard. Uh, <laughs> born and raised in East Coast, but okay. I love San Diego, so I'm going to have to go with West Coast. Whoa, okay, nice. Very cool. Okay, awesome. Third question, eggs or bagels? Ooh, and these are good questions. Um, I'm a carb guy, so I'm going with bagels. Nice. Yes. Okay. Um, sending emails to your entire list, yay or nay? Nay. Yes. And that's a big nay, a resounding nay for all of our <laughs> all of our listeners. Okay. Socks or bare feet? <laughs> Ooh. I guess I'm going to go with bare feet if okay. it's like, yeah, bare feet. Okay. Pepsi or Coke? Coke. Yes, always. And then last question, is Santa real? Well, I don't, do we have any kids listening to this podcast? <laughs> no. Uh, no, I'm going to go with no. <laughs> okay. We might have like some like like young email marketing prodigies that are listening to this. But I hope I did not just old. spoil it for them. <laughs> <laughs> but I would imagine they're at least like 12 or 13, you know, like it feels like a five-year-old doing email marketing is a little, a little much of a reach. Well, you know fair, what, Alyssa, sometimes it feels like five-year-olds are doing email marketing when I'm receiving this like insane Yeah, especially when you have people who are like, send to my entire list of 200,000 subscribers. And I'm like, who told you that? Who like who actually gave you that that insight? Don't do that. <laughs> but anyways, okay, Francis, now we're actually gonna get started with like the really juicy stuff. This is the highly awesome. anticipated questions and, and things that clients and, and clients of clients are looking for. So first question is what is the actual definition of email deliverability and how is email deliverability calculated? It's loaded. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so email deliverability to me is the measurement of emails getting placed in the inbox. And one thing I do want to say is I do include promotions as the inbox. I know that it can be a topic that people might, you know, get heated or, you know, passionate about. Um, but my point of view is, you know, promotions is 100% the inbox. It's, you know, people do go in there. I myself love going the promotions when I have time. Um, and I'm a huge fan of the, kind of the, the tab from Gmail. So I'm glad that it's there. And, you know, how is email deliverability calculated? I guess my counter question to this is, are we talking about for like a brand? How do they calculate it? Or like how are inbox providers calculating it? I guess the brand. Probably for the brand. Yeah. yeah. That's, okay. So yeah, for that, I think one of the best things, and this is one thing that I love about Klaviyo and I love about working at Klaviyo is looking at your own data, looking at the 
open rates, the click rates, how your, you know, your community is responding to your emails. Ultimately, you know, there's, that's my favorite way of doing it. Um, there's other ways of calculating it, you know, looking at potentially leveraging third-party tools like a seed list. Um, one thing I always tell brands is if you're going to leverage third-party service, always also compare it to your own data, right? Because your own data is not going to lie, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's, you know, that's one of the biggest things is looking at your open rates, making sure they look healthy, looking, making sure they're looking good and, you know, making sure there's no big red flags. What would you say, what would you say is like healthy? And then what would you say is a big red flag? Yeah. So I would say a big red flag is definitely under 5% open rates. Um, Any, and you know, even I would say even, you know, you know, between like five and 10, that's still concerning for me. I would say very healthy, you know, 15%, 20% in that area, if not higher. I love obviously seeing higher open rates. I think, you know, above 20% is very healthy open rates. You know, that means your community is really enjoying your emails and they're clearly engaged in, you know, they're waiting for the next one. Got it. So would you say that like, it's pretty, uh, <laughs> it's pretty irrational for brands to be like, we want 75% open rates constantly. <laughs> um, I guess it depends on the channel or the, um, cause I definitely have seen some brands, you know, and this goes really back to how you're, how you have things set up, right? Companies that have, for example, double opt-in, um, they have a really clear opt-in policy and people understand what they're getting and, or even they give, you know, the consumer, the, their voice, let them be heard with like a preference page. Right. You know, that's one thing I personally love is like when I go to go to unsubscribe and instead of, you know, letting me just unsubscribe, they also give me the option to maybe downgrade to only, you know, certain categories of promotions or emails. Right. Um, those are things I, as a consumer and as like a email geek, I huge fan of, Cool. but, um, you know, I do think, uh, you know, 75 is very high, uh, depending on, you know, the size of the company, you know, um, that also is a calculation, but the thing is like transactional emails, you know, I definitely expect to see 75 for that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it definitely depends, but I don't, you know, if that's your goal, I'm going to root in your corner to get there. So. Okay. <laughs> nice. So it is, it is achievable. It's not something that's so outlandish. It just depends yeah. on how you get there. Yep. Okay. Cool. And well, this is where it gets confusing for me. So I understand Mm -hmm. what is email deliverability, but can you briefly explain what is sender's reputation? Yeah. Like how is it calculated and how to check my sending reputation? Because we hear it all the time. Like we hear this thing all the time, but like, what is it? Like, yeah. Uh, Yeah. Sender reputation is ultimately how the inbox providers, uh, inbox providers view your mail stream, right? It's, you know, your kind of your score, you know, everybody kind of, obviously everybody does it different what they look at. And, you know, we definitely talk about that. Uh, but when it comes to like monitoring it, there's, there's a kind of a, I would say two primary tools that I am a huge fan of. Uh, one Google postmaster tools. Um, I recommend every brand to set this up. And the reason for that is because one, it tells you how Google is viewing you, right? It breaks it down mm-hmm. both on the IP reputation level and the domain reputation um, level, but also the great thing, if you're a you know, a techie person like myself, uh, they recently just rolled out an API, which makes myself huge fan. Um, it's something that ESPs, you know, we've been really asking for and wanting for since, you know, Google rolled this out years back. Um, and we've always been told it's, you know, it's on the roadmap or, you know, it's being worked on and it's finally in the lights and huge fan, you know, it's free as well. Google Postmasters is free. The other one that's a, I'm a huge fan is uh, Microsoft SNDNS, which is their smart network data services. Um, the thing with that is, is uh, it's IP only. So that's one caveat to it, right? So if you're a smaller brand, you know, it might not work for you. Mm-hmm. The other thing is, you know, depending on your ESP, they might, you know, they might give you access to it. If you're on a shared infrastructure, they might not. Uh, for Clavio, we we don't because it, you know, it does potentially expose information about our other customers, 
right? And we don't want to obviously risk that. Right. Other thing with uh, Microsoft S and DNS is it's not as insightful as Google Postmasters. Uh, it's still definitely useful and helpful, but it has kind of three categories of how it views the IP. Green is less than 10% of emails are perceived as spam. Yellow, it's between 10 and 90%. And then red is greater than 90%, right? So it's like, if you're in that yellow category, you really just wish they'd give you a hard number because uh, 10 and 90% is a wide range. Yeah, that's crazy. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the other tools that I do recommend is I know sender score. That's one that I always hear brands bringing up, but you know, again, that's on the IP level, uh, that's on the IP and then Barracuda, I think it's like Barracuda central. They also have a place where you can go in and kind of pop in your domain and pop in your IP and get how they kind of look at your you know reputation. It's, you know, it's not super granular like Google postmasters is, but it's still something. Um, and you know, Barracuda is definitely a big, you know, filter still out there that's you know used in the enterprise space. So you would say I'm that in order to, yeah, speak. I know. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I don't have enough notebook space for this. So okay, so in order to like really accurately like configure. I guess you're sending reputation or check it on a regular basis. You would strongly recommend getting some kind of additional support, whether it be from Google or a different platform that's going to kind of complement what you're already doing in Clavio, and then having that as kind of like a referral so or a reference point, I guess, so that you know yeah. where you're at essentially. Yeah, Google Best Master Tools is great. Huge fan of it. Um, and for most brands, right? Uh, at least with brands I work with, um, you know, we work for contest Clavio is, you know, we have a lot of worldwide customers. We have customers in Europe, in Australia, we have a lot in the US. And for the most part, most of our volume, the majority of all our, you know, brands volume is going to Gmail. Gmail is, you know, the dominant inbox provider. So, you know, you keep them happy and you keep in their good graces, most likely it's going to be a trickle effect where you, you know, you might not have to really focus on like these smaller ones, uh, depending on your, you know, your, your audience or who you send to. Gotcha. Okay, cool. So what would you say are kind of like the key points that influence your email deliverability and then also the reputation of you as a sender? And I guess this kind of stems back to or stems from like, okay, there are all these platforms and stuff, but like, what are we specifically looking for that will influence how your emails are delivering? And then also what your reputation is like for these inbox providers, essentially? Yeah. Um, so before jumping into that, one thing I want to kind of like explain is not every inbox provider is the same, right? So Gmail might, you know, Gmail primarily looks at engagement very heavily where, you know, maybe Comcast looks at, you know, engagement, but also looks at the IP reputation mm -hmm. and not everybody looks at, you know, the same block lists or maybe any block lists. So, the, you know, the biggest thing that I think is the most important part around, you know, reputation and email deliverability is how are people reacting to your emails? Are they opening? Are they clicking? Do, you know, are there people marking as spam? Other things that the inbox providers, you know, might look at are like, are they forwarding? Were they responding, right? Those aren't things that, you know, we might not necessarily be able to track on our end, but there's still things that, you know, they enjoy seeing. The other things are, you know, are you on any known block lists, right? For example, are you on like a, maybe a spam house or, you know, an impactful block list? Um, you know, not all block lists are created equally, right? There's hundreds of block lists out there. Anybody can create a block list. The thing is, is not every block list has an impact, right? The big one out there is obviously Spam House. You know, they're very respected in the industry. They do a lot of great things for the email ecosystem and the internet in general. So, you know, they're still very heavily viewed by some some even major inbox providers. The other thing is, are you hitting, a, you know, the mailbox provider spam traps, right? Can you briefly explain what are spam traps for those who, who don't know? Of course. Yeah. Um, so spam traps, there's three primary kind of categories, right? There's pristine, which are ones that have never been used by anybody ever, right? So these are, you know, maybe ones that 
have just been pasted around the internet or maybe exposed on like a paste bin or something like that. Um, and you know, for, you know, for the spam trap operator, they don't expect to ever see legitimate email there, right? So if they receive email there, they know it's unwanted. Uh, then there's recycled, which are maybe, you know, a domain or you know, an email that was primarily used, but then when, you know, obviously expired because of, you know, no usage, you know, for example, Yahoo, you know, Microsoft, if you don't log in after a certain amount of days, they might, you know, shut off that email, right? And maybe after a year of it hard bouncing, they might turn that into like a spam trap. It's Mm -hmm. more common for people to do that with domains, right? A domain that expires, they buy it, sit on it for a little bit, then convert that into a spam trap to see if people are still following best practices around bounce management ultimately. And then the other one is a typo, right? So for example, instead of typing in gmail.com, you type in gmail.com, right? That one obviously is a sign of maybe someone not using double opt-in, right? Mm -hmm. But, you know, are you hitting these spam traps that the inbox providers ultimately operate is a big thing. Not everybody operates their own spam traps, but some do out there, right? And it's not something you're ever going to be able to get like a metric on, but it's, you know, it really just goes back to making sure you're following best practices around how you obtain emails, right? You know, definitely never buy a list, please. But, you know, we can definitely talk about that later. You know, double opt-in is great. If you're not going to use double opt-in, maybe, you know, your legal team doesn't feel it's needed. Uh, use something like reCAPTCHA at least. And the reason for that is, you know, there's list bombing out there, which is bots that just go to websites and just try to flood emails in there uh, to get them signed up. And, you know, a lot of these times, these emails are legitimate. They're real emails out there. So, you know, using like a third-party service, you know, that might verify whether an email is legit or not, it might not catch that, right? So, you know, you got to make sure you have a strong defense as well. Um, and then the other thing is content. Nothing like using like too many emojis or, you know, you know, for the most part, all the big major inbox writers have, you know, moved to a more sophisticated system, right? So having the word free in your subject line in all caps isn't going to cause your email to go to spam, but, you know, potentially linking to like a known malicious site, right? For example, and, you know, one thing I always, always like to mention here is avoid free URL shorteners, right? Um, don't use like a bit.ly or anything like that because, you know, for you, it might track, you know, data for you, but for someone malicious, it also masks where that link is potentially going. Mm. Uh, so that's, you know, one thing to always keep in mind as well. I didn't realize that. Jeez Louise. A big one. <laughs> I feel like I've been doing it all wrong. <laughs> like, wait a second. I missed a lot. I missed a lot of the delivery. There, there's, a, there, there's a lot to this world. Um, and I love it because I feel like even being in it for three years, I know people have been in it for so much longer. And I, you know, I love talking with them because every time I walk away, I'm like, wow, I feel like I'm new here. Because, <laughs> you know, it's constantly evolving. There's just so many things out there to learn. You know, that's why I love it. Wow. Jeez Louise. Okay, so a lot of this has to do clearly with the inbox providers. So how can you actually train those inbox providers to recognize you as a good sender if you're just starting out with email marketing? Yeah, love this question, by the way. One thing I will say is, you know, when you're starting fresh, one of the biggest things, I and this is one thing I mention or recommend to every customer who's new with Clavio or any ESP, I'm talking with people in the industry, is set up as much automation as you can. And the reason for that is, and for Clavio context, we call it flows. You know, when you're setting up automation, right, it's going to be action-based, right? Someone going to your website and maybe registering, just welcoming them, right? Right. Um, When someone subscribes to your newsletter, welcoming them, just saying, hey, you know, give them some information about you, you know, let them hear your story. You know, every brand I've ever talked to always has some cool story about Mm -hmm. how they got there, you know, whether it's the CEO was, you know, doing something before and they just stumbled upon something that someone needed. Um, and he just built it. Or it's a situation where it's like, you know, it's, you know, it's a family owned business. You know, people love to hear about who's behind that curtain of that brand. Right. Um, and so, you know, delivering that story is going to make them feel connected to you. And, you know, it's going to make them, you know, potentially stay longer engaged. 
Um, and then the other thing is, you know, with automation, what's great about it is it passively earns you money as well, uh, which, you know, obviously is the big thing when it comes to email marketing is driving additional revenue. Um, you know, for example, abandoned carts, um, you know, subscription notifications, letting people know that they're running low on, you know, you know, maybe, you know, something they purchased from you, whether you're in your like a supplement business or something like that. But, you know, I think, you know, the biggest thing is definitely automation, trying to automate a lot of the, the big things because, you know, when someone performs an action and then you send them an email, you're relevant on their mind, right? You're top of mind. You know, they're going to recognize you where a campaign, you know, someone might have, you know, you know, they might not be in their email every day. So, you know, I think that's one big thing. But the other thing is making sure you have a strong, clear kind of opt-in, you know, practice, right? You know, for example, like I was talking about before, double opt-in or recaptcha. But the other thing is setting the right expectations with your customers. Um, and I think that's a huge thing, even mm-hmm. from my point of view as a consumer, right? When I go to a website and, you know, maybe adding something to my card, them letting me know that, hey, right now it's checked. If you uncheck it, you're not going to receive emails from us, but this is what you're going to receive. And I think that's also a great point to even ask them their preference, right? Try to learn more about your community, you know, listen to them, right? Because, you know, when you listen to them, they're going to stay around longer, right? And, you know, one big part of email marketing is, you know, getting new faces in those funnels and it's not always cheap and it's not always easy. So if you can keep them there longer, it's just going to obviously provide more longevity. Right, right. And it's always, I guess, retargeting an existing customer is always going to be way less expensive than actually going out and finding a new customer. So that makes 100%. a lot of sense. So Francis, um, so you are recommending to start from the flows and only after you have them for a while do the campaigns, correct? You can definitely do campaigns while you have automation going. Um, but I'm, you know, I think one of the best things when you're starting out fresh is getting those automations set up as soon as possible because it's one of those things. It's like, especially working with brands who are transitioning from one ESP to another. One of the biggest things when you're transitioning is like, I have all this data in my old platform. It's not necessarily quick to move over potentially, right? Um, for at least for Clavio, you know, we have some integrations with other ESPs, but there are a bunch out there, right? There's probably hundreds, you know out there. Um, and we don't integrate with all of them. And, you know, some of them, it's not always easy to get the data you need out. Um, so if you set up that automations while you're transferring everything over, you know, it just makes it a little easier because you're already starting to build up that reputation on this new email provider or on this new mail stream. Um, and you're, you know, you're starting to warm it up already, right? So it's going to make mm-hmm. it, you know, a little easier for you later down the road. Are there any specific flows you recommend to turn on first or, or it doesn't matter? That's a really good question. I would say one that I think is huge and it's a great one is the welcome series. And that's personally because I love, one thing I love is when I opt into emails is just hearing stories, right? Like I was just talking about, I'm, you know, I'm really passionate about the email world and, you know, it's always cool to hear how people got to where they are, you know, why they're doing what they're doing. So I definitely think welcome series is huge. Also welcome series is a great way to obviously drive revenue, right? Uh, You know, Mm -hmm. explain to them who you are and then, you know, give them some gratitude, you know, give them like a coupon uh, or, you know, discount code or whatever it may be. Other ones that are, you know, really great, uh, abandoned car, you know, browse abandonment. Those are obviously great because they're action-based as well, you know, like we were talking about. But, you know, I think, you know, definitely transactional emails are great, you know, making sure that way people know when they purchase something that it was successful, right? Um, and if you're, you know, your e-commerce platform doesn't offer that, or it's definitely important to have that. Uh, letting them know that it's been you know, successful or if there's any issues, letting them know, you know, just being it's always better to over communicate, especially when it comes to like, you know, purchase and under communicate. Cause mm-hmm. you know, when you under communicate, then they might reach out to support 
um, or you might leave a bad taste in their mouth. Right. And usually welcome series, like just looking at the stats from my clients, welcome series that very first email, it has like the best open rates and click through rates. So in a way you are training yep. those systems to see you as a, as a good guy in yep. email marketing. So that's a good one. So I guess it's not a good idea to start from like Winback series or Sunset Flow or whatever. It's better to start from yeah. those like high, high performing yeah, flow, definitely, right? definitely. I would definitely mm-hmm. not recommend. And I've seen that before where brands will come over the first campaign they try to send out this open back campaign. And, you know, it's one of those things I always ask myself, why? Uh, you know, usually at that point, it's a great education opportunity to explain them how inbox Fridays are like thinking, right? Um, you know, you're a new sender and they don't know yet how to trust you or how to handle your mail. Um, one thing that I always tell brands is it's easier to fix your reputation then it, it's easier to build a new reputation, right? Because one thing I always get asked is people are like, oh, I have, maybe our emails weren't performing great in our old ESP and we're coming over to Clavio and we just want to start fresh. Um, so we're thinking about buying a new domain. And I'm like, please, please, please don't do that. Um, <laughs> and, and there's a couple of reasons there. One, like I was saying, it's easier to rebuild your reputation. But the other thing is, is domain age does get taken into account in certain oh. inbox providers, um, right? Oh. So if you have this fresh brand new domain, it's like you could try everything you want, making sure you're following best practices, but you could still run into issues that's just purely because the domain is so new, right? Um, domain age is definitely something that I know even on our side of the house, on the compliance side of the house, we take into account as well. Um, and the reason for that is because, you know, malicious actors, fishers, people who are trying to, you know, uh, maybe do something fraudulent, you know, a lot of times those domains don't last long. Right. And so, right, seeing a very older domain or a more established domain, right, those are positive signals right out of the gate. Well, yeah, and I guess it just shows the longevity. It's kind of like, I guess, uh, like credit. 100%. When these like credit unions and stuff are like trying to determine how high your credit is, your credit age has a lot to do with it. So I guess it's kind of the same with your domain is mm-hmm. like the longer in use your domain is and kind of the the more credit you have behind that domain and it just makes sense to improve it versus like, well, we'll just start from scratch and I'll start with a zero credit score and work my way up kind of thing. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Let's talk a bit more about those like new accounts. What are the safest ways to build your email marketing list fast? Is it a good idea to say buy a list when I'm just starting out with email marketing? Yeah, so the short answer, no. Uh, And I'll (laughs) explain why. Um, I, I know I mentioned this before. Uh, so I'm going to answer it for kind of from like two different points. One, the compliance mm-hmm. side, right? Uh, depending on where you are in the world, it might just be illegal right out of the gate, right? So last thing you want to obviously do is start off, you know, start off your new business in breaking the law, right? Um, that might not, you know, land for a long successful business. But besides that, a lot of ESPs like Clavio, for example, we won't tolerate that, right? Um, I've had those hard discussions with brands saying, hey, you know, our kind of road has come to an end here because of, you know, ultimately deciding to buy a list and it's never fun. I don't enjoy that part of my role, Okay, but it, you know, it's one of those things that it has to happen, right? Because when people are buying a list, you don't know where these lists are coming from. You know, there could be, you know, a spam trap in there that might, you know, cause like a spam house listing. And, you know, that impacts not just one brand, but all our brands on our shared infrastructure. And my primary goal is to try to help as many brands get into the inbox as we possibly can. Uh, And so one bad actor, you know, does not outweigh all our good actors. Right. And then from the, you know, the deliverability side of the house, uh, is think about that user experience, right? You know, one thing I've been talking about a lot so far is user experience or listening to your community. And, you know, if you randomly got an email from a brand you don't recognize, how are you going to respond? I know personally, I'm going to, and this is mostly because I'm in the email space, I'm going to either A, really make sure I haven't ever engaged with this brand, right? Maybe I haven't gone there. Once I'm content that I haven't gone there, I'm going to market as spam, mm-hmm. right? And those are not good signals that you want when you're first starting out. 
and those aren't user experiences you want either, right? Because you know, that person who you might've purchased that list, that could have been a real customer, right? right? And instead of them being like, hey, I love this brand, go check out XYZ. Instead, they're like, hey, that person spammed me. Don't go check out XYZ, right? right? Okay. And so That's interesting. That's so funny. Are, so your job yeah, is so, kind of like a like doctor yeah. slash like referee slash like mayor yeah. slash like community ambassador. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, world. <laughs> yeah, I'm good cop and bad cop. All <laughs> That's great. That's so great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. Magician, magician. You know, my <laughs> magician. Sorry, dear, I interrupted you. What were you? No, ask? no. I was just like wondering what are the most deliverable. <laughs> See, it happened. <laughs> what are the most deliverability friendly ways uh, to build your email list? Yeah, um, they're good one thing and they're I... healthy and fast as well. <laughs> Yeah, that's a great question. And this is one area that I'm trying to learn more on um, because I have a lot of knowledge around email deliverability and compliance and I'm trying to learn more around the, the marketing world. Well, yeah, I guess one thing I think that's huge is thinking kind of outside the box, right? You know, one thing that I see a lot of brands do when they first kind of get started, depending on, you know, obviously the brand, e-commerce, this might not work, but one that I, I'm a huge fan, one website I'm a huge fan of is Product, uh, Product Hunt. I think that's what it is. I'm now drawing a blank where you can go and find like new you know, products that are launching and, you know, you can engage with them. And, you know, a lot of these times these are made by people who are, you know, just a side project or maybe a weekend project or something that they're just spending time ultimately to sit down and build. Um, and that's how I find a lot of great tools that, you know, that's how one tool that I love is that's how I found Notion. I don't know if you've ever heard of Notion, but it's, it's kind of like, uh, like mm -hmm. a note taking and then, you know, um, Trello all in one. It's really nice, huge fan of it. And that's how I found them. But I found a lot of products through there. Uh, but the other thing I think for like e-commerce at least is, you know, just, you know, when you're starting out is, you know, ultimately just trying to figure out a way to, you know, the biggest thing is ultimately driving traffic. And once you get that traffic there, maybe it's from Facebook, Google ads, you know, Instagram, whatever it may be. At that point, it's just really just trying to, you know, convince them that what you're doing or what you're you know, going to send them is, you know, going to be interesting, right? So whether it's, you know, like I was talking about, you have a cool story or, you know, for, you know, you guys obviously have your podcast, right? Uh, I've seen a lot of brands, you know, kind of explore into different territories with COVID, you know, they're starting to join, you know, maybe podcasts with other companies or brands like themselves, you know, that's one way to obviously get some spotlight on you. Um, you can do one thing that I know is very common in the e-commerce space is giveaways. I love giveaways, but I think the biggest thing is depending on the platform. Um, and I'll say that. And the reason for that is some platforms, they really try to make sure it's clear and transparent when people are checking out this giveaway that they're going to be opting in. Um, I've seen some where it's like, you got to individually check every brand that is on there. I love it from the compliance side and the deliverability side, because it's super transparent. So I think that's a good way if you're going to do it right. Yeah. This is one area that I definitely need to, uh, get more knowledge on, but we so all I do, do apologize. We all do. That's <laughs> yeah, like the question do. that we keep getting from the clients and we are like, uh, well, you can do no. the exit intent, the welcome yep. series. Yeah. Like you that. know, but yeah, you, yeah, you, sign you, up forms you are great. Creative yeah. here. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. That, that is one thing, right? Is you gotta be creative. You gotta, you gotta get people interested, right? That's the biggest thing. Um, once you get them interested in your brand, at that point is just really just convincing them that, Hey, what you're going to send them is what they expect to receive. And right. I think that's, you know, like I was talking about is one thing I love is when I go to a website and they just give me the option of what I want to receive. Right. So it's like maybe just product launches or maybe it's just sale, uh, you know, sales, you know, stuff like that, or, you know, depending on where your brand does, you know, you could also think of something creative there. You know, for example, if you're in like, um, like a health space, you could also maybe, you know, send not just campaigns about mm -hmm. your products, but you know, maybe workout related stuff. Right. Um, oh, yeah, things yeah. like that. 
And I also noticed that this campaigns about the community performed really yeah. well. So like, here is yeah. the story of our customer. For some reason, this campaigns, oh my goodness, they perform yeah. like magic. Do you have any? Do you have any brands that you are like waiting to 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 get in your in your inbox? Like, yeah, some, some um, brands I, of yours. I wouldn't say necessarily brands. One, and I try to like when it comes to like subscribing to like newsletters and stuff like that. I'm very much so the type of person where I love to just hear you know, read about promotions and hear about the story. That's my big thing is I love to hear about the story of like how they got started. <laughs> but my thing that I really love is really good email. I love that newsletter. Huge fan. Oh yeah, just, yeah, yeah. They're great. And, and you know, it's not necessarily a brand, but you know, they're, you know, they're talking about what's going on in the industry. Uh, what, you know, what's new, you know, maybe what ESP is, you know, put out this article or what brand has done this, etc. I don't know. I love that website. I go there. I'm just like, wow, this is really creative content. As someone who does not have that skill set of making things look beautiful, it's cool to see people who do right. right so that's the really good emails.com or what's the is that the yeah. one you're talking about yeah yep. I, i i love them oh I my love gosh them. i'm like i'm i'm opening like each and every email yep. that they are sending it's really yep. good. every single one <laughs> like actually every single one yeah <laughs> Um, so Francis, just a few more questions. So this has more to do with like, like list cleanup. because this is something that we yeah. get asked a lot as well as like list hygiene, list cleanup and specifically for d- better deliverability. Mm-hmm. So are there like any kind of like strategies or tactics that you would say that we should start going about with regards to how to clean the list? And then I have a few follow-up questions, but we'll start with that one. <laughs> yeah. So one thing I I'm a huge fan of is so yes you can definitely list clean which is great um one thing i think is also really beneficial instead of list clean and kind of like making sure who you send to is just always engaged right mm-hmm. and the reason for that is because when they stop becoming engaged they'll then e- exit that segment or at least with clavio we call it segments i don't know what other email service providers might call it but just like like a dynamic list ultimately mm-hmm. um, based off of you know behavior right obviously you build these to be engagement related behavior but When it comes to, you know, how can I clean my list better? I think one thing I always see brands do or, you know, they think might help them is, you know, including criteria that maybe the inbox writers don't see, right? right. Reasonable when purchasing or stuff like that. One thing I always tell people is like, I myself, I have a lot of different emails, right? I have, you know, some that are just purely for like really important, crucial things, right? Past, you know, that are like dedicated to say my, you know, my bank or, you know, my Amazon account. So if anything that ever happens, I know if I'm getting a notification there, it's not good potentially. Mm-hmm. And then I have emails that are just strictly for like promotion related, like my general email, right? And I go into that email as much as I can, but not every single day. And so, you know, if someone uses, if someone purchases, it doesn't mean they're necessarily engaged with your email, right? Maybe email isn't the right channel for them. Right. Maybe that person prefers, prefers an SMS. Uh, you know, that's something that's obviously starting to blow up more is SMS marketing. Mm-hmm. You know, like we were talking about, you know, before, it's easier to re-engage or retarget people who've, you know, shown interest than it is to get new customers. So right, right, right. maybe creating like a custom audience with Facebook and retargeting that person on there to drive them back to your website. Gotcha. Um, it's a great option. But I think one of the biggest things is making sure you don't include criteria that inbox provider might not see, right? Just because someone purchases does not mean they want your emails, right? They might just want your product, um, which I see all the time. And I'm myself is I've done that before where it's just like, you know, I might not opt into your emails because, you know, I know it's just like I'm buying this product once and I'm going to be done with it. For example, a water bottle, right? It's like, I'm not going to buy a water bottle every month. Right. Um, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So how, how often would you say you typically need to clean your list? Yeah. Um, 
I would say it's, it depends on like your setup, right? So I've seen some brands that will, and this is like, you know, like I was talking about is like, you know, if you're more targeting the engaged people first and then you have like a sunset flow and then at the end of the sunset flow, you then, you know, maybe go in there once a month and just suppress those people or remove them from the marketing side of the house. And, mm-hmm. you know, obviously make sure they still get the transactional, right? Um, Cause if they do come back, you want to make sure they still get those in- crucial important emails that let them know that, Hey, you're, products on the way or whatever it may be. So I think generally what I recommend is, you know, customers to do it, you know, depending on the situation is overall your performance is good. Maybe once a quarter, okay. uh, maybe once every couple months. But if you're struggling with inbox placement or you're struggling with open rates and maybe start to do it more frequent or like I was talking about, instead of, you know, doing list cleaning, just target more engaged people. That way it's automated and you kind of just do it, right? And like, you know, at least for Clavio, you know, you can have profiles in there that you might not have to communicate with, which is fine, right? Because, you know, you might communicate them through another channel, right. uh, like SMS or push or whatever it may be. So when it comes to Okay, so like, for example, with like a sunset flow or like when you are doing that cleanup, mm-hmm. when it comes to like deleting versus suppressing accounts, what what's the recommendation? Like, what is that supposed to look like? Sometimes I personally find anyways, I have a hard time explaining to clients what suppressing an account means and why we do that versus deleting it or... Yeah. So yeah, if you could provide some clarity on that, that would be huge. Yeah, for us, Clavio, right? You can have as many suppressed profiles as you want, right? We're not going to charge you. What's good about having suppressed profiles over deleted profiles is when you suppress them, we keep that data about them, right? Mm-hmm. Their purchase history. Maybe if they filled out, you know, a preference page talking about their pet or you know, giving you their date of birth, you know, a birthday flow or something like that, um, we still have that data. So if they ever do decide to come back one day right? Maybe in like a year or whatever it may be, you have that data. So you don't have to react to them again. Right. And so it's just like a nicer user experience. But the other thing is, no, that data might be useful for you, right? In case of something ever comes up where you know they're like, Hey, I opted out of this. Uh, why am I still receiving your emails? I've had those situations many times. And it's because people, instead of suppressing them, they go and delete them. And then maybe a resync happens or import happens, you know, you know, something's new and they're just making sure all the data's in the accounts that they imported again. Most people are now being brought back in, but if they were suppressed, they wouldn't have been reactivated and they wouldn't have received those emails. I feel like people don't always realize that, no, they are not paying for suppressed accounts. So that's like a <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. big yeah. one, right? Yeah, I think at least for Clavio, I know that's how we do it. I, I don't know about speak. other yeah. platforms, yeah. I'm just like speaking about Clavio. Yeah. yeah. So obviously you want to keep that data in the background for a suppressed account, but what's the process of getting that account reactivated? Like, can you as the brand do it on your own in the back end? Does the, does the suppressed account have to actually go out and do it? How does that work? Uh, it depends on what they're suppressed for, I guess you'd say, right? With Clavio, again, speaking for context, a profile can become, become suppressed for a, like a wide range of reasons, right? Marked as spam, for example, unsubscribed, uh, manually suppressed. Like, for example, you going in there and doing it yourself, depending on the reason, and, you know, the user might be able to do it. For example, if it's an unsubscribe, the user, the marketer, like the Clavio account owner can do it, um, or the user themselves can do it who unsubscribed by just resubscribing, right? For marked as spam or hard bounce, those take someone on our team to do it. And the reason for, we have that kind of safeguard wow. is just in case something happens, right? Um, for example, typically when it comes to a marked as spam, it's, you know, obviously that's a bad signal. Um, same with the hard bounce, you know, that's saying the email's no longer existing. Um, and so we kind of have safeguards there and that's just mostly to protect our reputation and our customer's reputation, um, for soft bounces, you know, for example, inbox full stuff like that, a user can go in there and remove that suppression. Cool. Well, I, I mean, I have like a gazillion more questions, <laughs> like we will not, we will not have enough time to, to ask them all, but yeah. 
This Thank you so, so much. <laughs> Actually, I, I, my notebook is like full of good, <laughs> good notes and ideas like that to implement <laughs> with some of my clients and, uh, Thank you so much for coming, Francis. Yeah, honestly, honestly, like, super helpful. Honestly, it was my pleasure. I loved it. I was super nervous, and I still am. Uh, so if that comes through, I I am sorry. No, no it was, don't be it was, nervous. <laughs> We're nervous to talk to you because you're like the ultimate clavio, like delivery pro, and that's something that you know? we're like, oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> but no, it, it was great chatting with both you, and you know, I'm excited to see you guys keep growing, and you know, I'm excited to see us keep growing too. Awesome. But you know, if anything comes up, definitely don't hesitate to reach out to me. Um, if you know, if you get any good follow up questions and you want to get those answered, definitely don't hesitate. You know, awesome. I'm here to help. I love talking to the community. I love helping people. That's Where people can That's find you actually, if they have any follow up questions. Um, I'd probably say the best channel is LinkedIn. I'm very active on there. You know, mm -hmm. if you just look up Francis Baker, uh, I'm probably the only one that works at Clavia that I know of. Uh, so if I have <laughs> someone else there, uh, I got to talk to someone, yeah. but yeah, LinkedIn, you know, is probably the best place. Okay. Awesome. And we'll include a link for your LinkedIn um, in the awesome. description box of the of the podcast so people can click through and everything. So, and guys, just as a, a kind of reminder, so uh, Francis is like the king of deliverability when at, at Clavio and it's a relatively smaller department, but it's grown over time and, and he's still kind of the the big cheese over there. So uh, definitely a really good resource and a good reference point if you do have questions. And if you're interested in finding out more about Clavio and like deliverability and you're working with another ESP and you want to hop on, um, he's definitely a great person to reach out to, as I'm sure you've you've heard in the goodness in his voice. So <laughs> definitely, <laughs> definitely reach out. Definitely reach out. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you so much for coming. And guys, thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with your e-commerce friends or with your email marketing nerd friends um, <laughs> if you have more like technical questions or you want to get involved in community of email marketers check us out at flowium.com slash community a lot of good things are happening in that group so um, join us there and if you are interested in getting some more advice on how to establish a solid email marketing strategy for your e-commerce store just visit us at flowium.com slash contact and sign up for a free consultation we will have all of these links in the description box down below so just like scroll down and uh go and enjoy some 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 good stuff yeah for sure and um for next week we're really excited we have like i'm telling you i think i'm pretty sure i said this last episode but we have so many ba good back-to-back -back interviews like someone from clavios really cool brands who do stuff really well when it comes to design and copy so next week we actually have something a little different um it's uh we're we're going to be talking to um arian radmond from ignite post he's going to be talking to us about direct mail and how that links and kind of integrates with clavio basically long story short i don't want to spoil too much but it's a handwriting robot so if you want to know more about that make sure you listen to next week's episode because it's really really interesting like a crazy stuff crazy stuff coming up ahead so thank you guys again for listening francis thank you again so much today was super insightful and i just can't wait to to share this with with all my clients and be like hey you have questions here it is <laughs> so thank oh, you again don't for ask me. me anymore i know yeah <laughs> don't ask me listen. ask francis <laughs> <laughs> thanks again francis and thank you everybody for listening and we'll see you guys next week we'll see you next week bye Thanks for listening to Email Einstein. 
Can you feel that? Your marketing brain just got a little bit bigger. We ask that you please use it wisely. You've got all the theory you need to get out there and start boosting your sales because great emails equals revenue squared. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to claim your free ebook and learn how to drive conversions with UGC in 2024. From fresh ways to use UGC on your website to revenue pooling email strategy. Discover actionable insights to master your UGC game in 2024. Stop missing out. Go to flowing.com slash UGC and download this ebook for free.